You have something different in front of you. What do you have? I actually have the Raspberry Frambois. That was a collab beer brewed at Explorium downtown. I forget the name of it. Um. <laughs> we can cut that. Maybe we'll cut it out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> just called Frambois. I think that's what they I have think it. it is just called the Frambois. Okay, okay. we'll leave it. <laughs> Why don't you just answer that question again? <laughs> so what do you have in front of you? <laughs> I've got the Raspberry Frambois. stumbled on into the tap takeover podcast welcome to another episode of the tap takeover podcast it's exciting to be here today at Oak brewing soon before their opening started by veterans of the milwaukee brewing scene uh, this is going to be a really awesome episode. And as always, before we get started, let's put some voices to the names. This is Jim. Jesus. Adam. John. And Kyle here. <laughs> yeah, let's get started with uh, you gentlemen. Uh, you guys have been around the block. Your name should be familiar to uh, anyone here in, in the Milwaukee brewing scene. How did you guys all come together to start Oat Brewing? Well, long story short, Kyle and I went to grade school together and started hanging out more so in our college or just after college years. He was roommates with my cousin, uh, one of our good friends, David. Probably a couple years later, I had a roommate move in and I started homebrewing with him and Kyle worked at the homebrew store, so things kind of took off from there. That's where I met Adam. I know Adam and Kyle knew each other a little bit before that, but uh, brew industry-wise, Kyle, you want to give a little bit of your history? Started working at uh, Silver Creek Brew Pub up in Cedarburg in 2007, right after I got out of the Siebel program in Chicago. And I worked at Silver Creek for eight years. I left a few years before they, they, they ended up selling that. It's now Rebellion Brewing up there. And I worked for three or four years then at... Uh, Northern Brewer, the homebrew shop, doing classes and events and uh, whatnot. As I left Northern Brewer, I had met Adam, kind of, I had known him through there, and then he kind of took over for me after I met Mike Doble from Explorium, and I, I got Explorium up and running with Mike. I think I was his first hire. Worked there for five years. Adam came aboard for the last three and a half of those years. And then we had all kind of gotten together um, about trying to get uh, a brewery open. It took a couple years of sitting down and and planning everything out. And then um, another, honestly, couple years of trying to find the right space once we had kind of a business plan together. Yeah, we had been looking in the Milwaukee area generally uh, and didn't really have much luck finding something that fit all of our or met you know all the check boxes of what we really needed we were looking for approximately 10,000 square feet so that we could have an on-site tap room and room within our uh, brewing area to expand and grow our our business so found this 
property probably two and a half years ago, I think it was already. Through our realtor, met with the city of West Allis, found this building that was owned by the city of West Allis. It checked more boxes than we even knew we wanted. So it really worked out well. It's a little bit bigger than what we were looking for. There's more outdoor space than what we were looking for. Uh, plenty of room to grow the, the brewing operation and uh, a nice large tap room and lots of room for activities. I think you would be the second brewery to open or third brewery in West Dallas? Uh, it'll be t- pretty close between third and fourth. Uh, so there's West Allen Brewing about five blocks from us and then Lehman Brewing is about seven blocks the other direction and currently there's us and there's Perspective across from Town Hall that are both working diligently to try to get open. So depending on timeline, either one of us could be the third or fourth. So aside from checking a bunch of boxes, is there any background that you guys have in West Dallas? Any connection? I live in West Dallas over by State Fair Park. None of us grew up here. Once we found this building and, and we actually purchased the building from the city, they worked really hard with us to, you know, help us get this project financed. Um, they, re- they wanted us in this spot. They, they are actively doing a lot to kind of do redevelop parts of, of West Dallas. You know, once we found this building, they were easy to work with and um, they've been pretty helpful and instrumental in getting us to where we are right now. And yeah, I mean, the mayor of West Dallas, Dan, um, he's actually a home brewer himself. He's taken classes at Northern Brewer with both Kyle and I uh, at various points when we were there. Um, and he knows us professionally brewing from Explorium. So when he heard that it was us that were looking to open up a brewery in West Dallas, he's been a huge proponent of ours, and he's definitely pushed for you know, uh, us to succeed in, in getting this place open. As you guys were thinking about this brewery, what was the vision that you had for it? I think from day one, our vision, before we even knew what our brand was, was a place that, you know, had a large tap room. We, we definitely wanted to focus the majority of our efforts in on-site, you know, um, you know, experience type of thing. We wanted to have some form of outdoor space, whether that was, you know, uh, a lot of places we looked at, we were trying to figure out about doing like a rooftop patio or things like that when we were looking more in Milwaukee. But we definitely wanted that outdoor component. And yeah, I mean, it this definitely gave us that opportunity. I was actually going to ask before you said the roof patio, was there a box that was not checked with the space? Because it has everything, really does. I don't think so. I mean, there's going to be, I think, 50 plus parking spots once we get the parking lot um, finished. Plus a parking lot behind ours that's city owned and is available to our customers. With another almost 200 spots. You know, it it allowed us to have a large tap room, a private event space within that. I mean, we always wanted the outdoor component. <laughs> a half acre of outdoor component is a lot more than we ever thought. And then um, something that was really important to us, too, was uh, having enough space in the dedicated brewery area to kind of grow into it. You know, you see a lot of breweries get started, and within a couple of years, they're looking for a new spot already. And, and this was a lot of work. and and. We're not super eager to have to do it again in a couple of years. Um, so we did plan for expansion in, in the brewery area, and that, that was important to us to be able to do that. 
you know, let's talk a little bit more about this space. As you can hear, probably it's huge because uh, there's a little bit of echo. As you also mentioned, there's a huge outdoor space, and we were talking a little bit about it before, but what are all the plans for that massive outdoor space? What are all the cool things that folks will be able to do? Yeah, so the outdoor beer garden is a little bit over a half acre, as Kyle said. We're going to have an outside bar there that can seat about 24 to 28 people, 7,000 square foot patio space with you know different types of seating out there for that, two sand volleyball courts, tournament size bocce court, and five permanent cornhole lanes, as well as three outdoor fire pits. So everyone dreams about opening their own breweries. Uh, Kyle and Adam, you guys were at a fairly successful brewery already that was expanding. Mm-hmm. What made you finally pull this trigger to say all right this is finally it we are going to go live our dream you know as as i said before we were looking for a couple years for the right space so um really i mean that was the catalyst uh that that kind of moved this project forward was was finding the right home for it i'm sure we could have kind of pressed the issue and and you know pursued a building that was not as ideal for what we wanted to do um, but we kind of stayed patient and, and ended up finding what we wanted. But, you know, in terms of uh, doing this, we had been working on this for years. So um, really, it, it was just a matter of finding the right place to fit everything that we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, we, like Kyle said, we worked on this for a long time. Funny enough, like when we, when he brought me in for at Explorium, we had already been talking about doing a brewery and it actually early on was a thing that like I wouldn't ever work there because it would be really shitty for us to both have to leave at the same time and then the time came that he needed to replace the assistant brewer there who was leaving for another position and he didn't have a whole lot of lead time to actually hunt for a candidate so kind of had to be me so he called me up and asked if I wanted the job and I took it but we always knew that it was going to be a tough point at some point where we were gonna have to leave. And it actually worked out really well. We brought Mike uh, from the Explorium in on, you know, our plans early enough on that he had, you know, a good amount of time, probably a year and a half plus of planning. And we worked with him to help find candidates to take over for us and on a transition plan of, you know, me stepping out uh, several months earlier than when Kyle eventually left so that he had that transitionary plan in place to be clear we didn't plan on giving mike a year and a half notice but um (laughs) a global pandemic happened in the middle of all this so but we did give him we did plan to give him at least you know six months of time to be able to get a plan in place and then execute it right so let's talk about some of the beer here that it was really overwhelming to see the tap list it was crazy we all have one in front of us. Uh, I have the Cash 22. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then kind of go around the horn and tell us uh, what you guys are drinking? Sure. Well, <clears throat> the Cash 22 that you're drinking is a collab beer we did with G5 and Beloit. Always have been super friendly with Tim, the brewer over there, and um, he was one of the first people we reached out to when initially we thought we would open a few weeks before we are here and and maybe need some help filling out the last few tap lines, so we reached out to do some collabs. That was one of them. We ended up doing a uh, hazy double IPA, 
and uh, my love for Chris Middleton of the Bucks um, <laughs> fueled the name uh, Cash Twenty Two. But yeah, um, that was we when when we reached out to to a, a handful of breweries to kind of do some of these collabs to help us get open. We kind of pinpointed wanting to do make sure they were all kind of different things and helped us round out um style wise round out our our tap list so that one we ended up doing the the hazy double ipa with g5 it's a big beer i should not have started with it (laughs) so what are you drinking i'm drinking the opsy daisy it's a session ipa generally i my daily drinkers are usually in that pale ale and and uh lower abv ipa styles i enjoy drinking beer and so if i can squeeze a couple more in because they're a little bit lower abv that's that's kind of my wheelhouse yeah so there's a a trend really uh in the beer industry for ipas in particular to be seven plus percent which back in the day used to be a huge beer uh, not your just uh, daily drinker. Your philosophy uh, on beers that you're going to have on tap, are there going to be lower ABV options? We're definitely going to have generally a light lager, uh, hopefully a dark lager more often than uh, just the cold weather days. Uh, but we'll always have a few hop forward beers and then a variety, depending on the season, uh, to fill out our 16 taps. And we plan on expanding that to 24 within a couple of years. Um, but all of us as, as a group really like the variety and we all love that variety of beer. So uh, our conversations are kind of fun to see, you know, what's the next idea of what we should brew next and complement the other beers that are already available. You have something different in front of you. What do you have? I actually have the Raspberry Frambois. That was a collab beer brewed at Explorium downtown. Yes, same thing, right? No, actually, this is the Oak Soury. So this is our fruited sour that we did in-house. Um, this one is strawberry rhubarb. And, you know, it was one that we put on our list of flavor combinations early on. And we, I think, had the conversation several times of, you know, it's a risky move to do a strawberry rhubarb sour, just because we all know that there's one brewery in particular that does it and does it very well. You hate to be number two in that kind of a thing scenario. And when it came time for us to pick our, our first list of uh, brews to, to make, we kind of just said, you know, F it, balls to the wall, and rolled the dice with it. And I think it came out pretty pretty well. And so far the reception to it has been pretty positive. So Just a, a follow-up on the, on the soury. The strawberry rhubarb is just the first in a series. Um, the soury will be a series of kettle sour fruited ales that we're going to be releasing. We have one finishing fermentation um, shortly that will be out right around the time that we open here. And we have, the, we have canning coming in, so we'll have some of that available in package as well. And that's going to be a blackberry lime. The next rendition of Soury is the blackberry lime, and that'll be out right after we open. Yeah, so talk to me about this process. I mean, you've got two professional brewers, and I'm sure, John, you've got probably strong opinions about what kind of beers you like. So how does this collaboration between you three come together to say, all right, this is the next beer that we're going to put on the to-brew list, 
And uh, what if someone has a, a strong opinion of their own? Everybody's giving each other yeah. side eye right now. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, it, we're all smiling, though. And the nice thing is that we're all of the same opinion that eventually, if there's a beer you want to brew, it's going to get brewed. So we have different opinions when it comes to having our collaborative meetings about, hey, what should we brew next? But uh, there's, it's a really nice thing that there's three of us. So those conversations don't need to last forever because two votes are greater than one. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's definitely been mostly Democratic. Every now and then, all of us have a beer or an idea, whether it's a name or an ingredient or anything, that we're very passionate about that, you know, it, it's obvious to the other two of us. We're, we'll acquiesce on it if we think, okay, you know, let, let's, let's give it a go or it, it'll, you know, We'll, we'll let it happen. But generally speaking, yeah, I mean, we, we try to hash things out pretty democratically and, and work very methodically through, you know, the decision-making when it comes to the beers and whatnot. At, at the end of the day, it's always best ideas are going to win. It doesn't matter whose it is, right? So I think, you know, the more brain power you have on figuring figuring out what you want to do moving forward, the better. I've, I've always found that kind of, bringing in the whole team as a group and and sitting down and looking at looking a month out for our next packaging run looking a couple months out for what season seasonal stuff might be coming up you know it's all those are all factors into what we can get through our production schedule so you know there's just so many factors we have to you know we have to look at it from a business standpoint yeah. as as well as what we all personally want to get out of it. It is more of a collaboration than it is voting. You know, it's you bring bring ideas together and flavor profile ideas and make it happen. So when you guys were obviously thinking about this whole thing, was there what was the first like we have to have this, we have to have this, we have and is that beer on tap right now? We we always knew again it was going to be more than like eight. So. There wasn't a specific style besides we knew we wanted at least a few hop forward beers. We know those sell well. We wanted to do a few fun things, but at the end of the day, there's certain things where, you know, you got to play the hits, right? Right. So right. you can't open without an IPA. In this day and age, you can't really open without a hazy IPA. And then you got to have some sour. easier drinking stuff. Um, of course, you know, we wanted to do a fruited sour. And, um, you know, where the market is now and with summer coming up, um, it was important to get the, um, the hard seltzers rolling out right away as well, you know? Yes. Yeah, so that kind of plays into you all have your own beer styles and beers that you like to brew, but you have to make what sells. Uh -huh. Right. So tell us about your seltzers. Right now, we're, we're when we get open here, we'll have three seltzers initially. And we kind of took the first batch and kind of split it into three different three different versions. One of them is a, a key lime. I should say all of them are fruited. One of them is key lime. And then we have a peach and passion fruit combo. And then the third, which I think is the unanimous favorite here, is a... The, the strawberry lemonade turned out really well. Definitely foresee us doing that uh, probably at least throughout summer. Yeah, we're excited to have a diverse hard seltzer offering consistently because we don't have a full bar. 
So when somebody asks or they're trying to bring a group in, you know, they can explain to them that we have the hard seltzer. And people always think of sours actually not so much as beer, but another option that's, you know, not your traditional beer drinkers drink. Yeah, because I've got the soury here as well, and it is easy drinking. I mean, it's got a little tartness on it. Uh, the fruit comes in very well. Uh, it's got a great bouquet on it, uh, but it's not uh, sour, you know. It's not that uh, teeth-cleansing, chattering kind of, you know, sourness that can get a little hand on, on some of them. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. that That's the type of sour I typically do like is that very traditional, very over-the-top, but... It's just not where the market is right now. And, you know, going back to, you know, what Kyle said, you got to play the hits and whatnot. You have to make beer that, you know, reaches the broadest market as a business. You know, that that's our number one is like having the most consumers that come in and, and enjoy what they have. So this comes up often, but to do flagships or not, you know, some breweries uh, swear by them. Some breweries swear away from them. Uh, what what uh, what do you guys anticipate doing here? At- oh, we plan on doing somewhere around six to eight flagships. We don't know what they're going to be yet, honestly, because we're not going to pick them out. We're going to let the market dictate that. So we have a pretty good idea of things that are probably going to be front runners for that. Um, you know, there's going to be an obvious lager of some sort, whether it's you know one of the two or three that we have on right now, or one that we come out with. Whatever one is selling the best like that will, you know, in our first quarter to, you know, half a year, that'll become the flagship. And obviously we know we're going to probably have a hazy IPA as some sort of flagship. And, you know, again, market will dictate what those are. All right. I think we're getting close to taking a little break here and talking about when you guys are opening plans for the summer. And uh, but before we go there, let's, I just want to touch one thing. What what is Ope? Ope is uh, it's a Midwest colloquialism. It's uh, How come I don't know about it. You know, you, you bump into somebody. Well, it's funny. People say it all the time and don't realize it. And we get the question all the time. What What's the name or where does it come from? And we'll explain it to people, and then they'll kind of have an aha moment of realization that they do say it, and they don't even realize they're saying it. And the, the most common is, like, you know, you bump into somebody and you say, oh, excuse me. Or, you hmm. know, you drop something, and it's just, oh, oh. Yeah, a, a number of our beers will follow in, you know, with the brand. We have a, oh, didn't see you there, oh. <laughs> if you're familiar with any of Charlie Barron's work, uh, <laughs> that's pretty on point with, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of you know our branding yeah a lot of people come to us and thankfully the alternate pronunciations of ope are also fun though they're in the incorrect like opie or ope opa uh yeah it's it is what it is and they're fun <laughs> but in reality those same people that don't necessarily get the brand right off the bat you tell them and then you have to point out to them five minutes later you just said ope and you didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all I'm going to demand is a beer named Hey Dare Use Guys. <laughs> so <laughs> Done. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead. And we're going to take a small break, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. We're back. we got uh, some new pours here in front of us, and we can... Uh, I got the Key Lime... Frambois. Frambois. And you're hazy. 
and the soury. So tell us a little bit about the hazy. Yeah, so that's uh, Ope didn't see you there. It's just a single hazy IPA. Kyle, what's the hot profile? Citra. Yeah, it's all the ones people don't like. Citra, Amarillo, <laughs> and Mosaic. I hear people hate those hops. Yeah. Some of the newer ones. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a classic hazy IPA. Um, we wanted to, you know, again, just go to, I don't want to say something safe, but something that we knew, you know, would work. I think our first three or four turns of the the brew house we tried to be a little bit safe things that we knew either a if we completely wrecked them like they're going down the drain okay we're not eating a ton of cost you know we're not we're not dumping up barley wine down the drain but we also you know knew that even past the day of brewing in you know our fermenters and using our cart pump and various parts of our equipment to get to the final product we were gonna have to learn some new equipment so we didn't want to get too outlandish right off the bat before we get the jim's uh sample i did have one the habanero one the habanero yeah the habanero we got to talk about that because that was not in your face which is awesome it was very subtle can you tell us a little bit about that that was a beer uh john and i developed years ago it's a, a belgian white ipa base and then we added some dried habaneros post-fermentation and I guess like you said the habaneros aren't aggressive from a heat standpoint although if you do have a you got a taster if you have a full glass you'll you will notice it by the end it kind of builds up a little bit over time Um, however you know we wanted more of the fruit character to come through than just just to showcase the heat alone I think it, it's a unique beer, but we want people to be able to finish their beer. I think a lot of people, when they have those jalapeno, habanero beers, they, it's like they're trying to prove a point, you know, that it's like, yeah. Shock value. Yeah. 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 When, uh, when we added the habaneros to this beer, you know, on this scale, we wanted to be careful not to overpower it. So it actually took three attempts to get it to where it is, where we just kept adding more and more habaneros to get it to where we want it to be. No, it's perfect. I want to have a full pour. Because <laughs> yeah, to me, I've also got it in my flight here, and it's the fruitiness of the peppers comes through much more than than the heat. And you would think with habaneros, oh, my God, you know, these things are, hot, like, hot. And, and none of that, that comes through. It, it's almost literally a fruit beer. Yeah, I think, you know... Going the route of the the Belgian white IPA, you know, getting some of those types of characteristics that really work well with the citrus and floral character that you can get from a habanero when it isn't over well, you know, over the top. And then, you know, their recipe that they developed, they use that with strain of yeast, and that also helps to, to give, you know, more of those, you know, kind of fruity characters that work well with it, but then a little bit of that clove spice that helps kind of, you know, give you a little bit of forefront uh, spice while that habanero kind of builds into the background. So, Jim, what else do you have in your sampler? Well, I had to get, you know, the two things that really get the bear nerds, you know, out of bed (laughs) early in the morning. And right now, dark lagers are getting some bear nerds out, and you got a Dunkelweiss. Dunkel lager. Dunkel lager. That is, it's really good, right? I mean, it's light lager but it's got a great malt character to it 
And then, and then the other one I really want to talk to you guys about that really gets spear nerds out are the pastry stouts, right? So you got your collab with Eagle Parts. Tell us about that as well. Yeah, um, we just went into that, you know, knowing when we were doing collabs and choosing what kind of styles we wanted to do. You know, we, we thought it would be cool. I think it was, I think I had just put in a, a Girl Scout cookie order and I'm like, oh, let's do a, let's do a beer based on Caramel Delights, you know, and because um, there's some really cool flavors that play with each other there and, yeah. and, and especially work on top of a big pastry stout base. So it's a 10% stout base and then with caramel, chocolate, and coconut, all, all of those flavors are in there as well. And um, yeah, it tur- I think we were super happy with the way that one turned out. I'll take four boxes. That's what it's called. Yep. Yeah. And, it's, you know, it's sweet. It's dangerous. Yep. Go, going back to, you know, something that Kyle said earlier, but also then tying into this with, you know, doing our collabs, we definitely wanted to round out our tap list. But, you know, we also wanted to play to the strengths of the breweries that we're doing the, the different collabs with. So, you know, obviously Eagle Park, like that, that's something they're very well known for, are those pastry styles, you know, very over the top like that. So that you know it seemed like a natural thing but also it's one of those types of beers that it takes a while to produce and early on we didn't know what our timeline was going to be to get open we thought it was going to be a little bit shorter than it ended up being so we were like you know if we do one of those as a collab before even our equipment is operational at least it'll have time to properly mature and properly get you know brewed and fermented you know the right way so that we would have it you know day one yeah. One other thing going forward as we consider uh, which breweries we want to do collabs with, it, part, part of it is considering what other breweries are really good at and learning from them. So, you know, go to their brewery and brew their, what they're best at. So that's what we did with Eagle Park. And, you know, we're all super busy in this industry. So really at the end of the day, it's finding friends you want to get drunk with and making an excuse to go do that and yeah. writing it off as a as a work endeavor well and that's the beauty of going to another brewery is you know you get to go there and drink their free beer <laughs> that's right uh, as everyone knows that the reason the real reason that there are so many collabs is because the collaborating brewery just goes over there and drinks and tells other people what to do <laughs> right. so one thing i really want to touch on is you know we've got two stalwarts of the milwaukee brewing company here talking to us today but uh you recently made a new hire for your general manager of the brewery who's another stalwart within the milwaukee brewing and Co- wisconsin really uh brewing community and that is the one the only maggie skinner friend of the show uh, you can go back to several episodes <laughs> in which she, she appears. Uh, how did that come about? I mean, that, this is like a dream team coming together here at OPE. Yeah, um, I think all of us actually have known Maggie for a while. And um, I'm a musician as well as a brewer. And I was um, playing a show at the, at the Tosa Fermentorium and told Maggie to just come check out the tap room. Because right? she had a job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she had a great job. Um, you know, I've known, be, being uh, brewing up in Cedarburg for eight years, you know, I've known Chris Volkman for a long time. And Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, Maggie had a great job with Fermentorium. And, we, you know, I just was like, hey, you know, you, you got to come check out 
the tap room and come see it and um i guess one thing led to another and we had kind of expressed that we were looking for someone to help you know run our tap room help staff and train our tap room and, and maggie has so much experience in so many different aspects of the brewing community she can manage people she can do sales maggie can do so many different things it was really a no-brainer for us to bring her on to this team and help us kind of do let us focus on a few other things we have so much going on trying to get this open and kind of let her focus on that but she's been she's been amazing helping with staffing helping with sales obviously she's as connected as anyone is in in wisconsin for all those reasons we're happy to have her aboard absolutely uh it's great so uh let's also talk about a little bit more like how people can get your beer so you you started to distribute a little bit locally what are some places that folks can find your find you uh prior to your opening uh, yeah, right now we're probably in about uh, a dozen, 15, maybe 20 accounts right now on and off. Um, we've been pretty regularly fo- um, featured at Station Number 6, at The Drunk Uncle, Stally Caps, uh, The Reunion, you know, locally around here, uh, getting out a little bit further, uh, Champs in Brookfield has put us on. Uh, we've got an event coming up at Three Cellars, Sugar Maple, Drafty Cellar. Drafty Cellar in Waterford. Yeah, I mean, we with our opening being kind of imminent, we didn't want to, you know, move too much product out of out of here and, and have an issue with how much volume we have to serve here. You know, once, once we get our doors open here and, and have a little bit better idea of what kind of volumes we'll be moving through the tap room, it'll be easier for us to allocate... Uh, more beers to be out in the market Um, and and as well as we'll have packaged beers very shortly um, starting at the end of this month so what kind of formats are you going to be packaging and i do see a a really lovely crawler machine over there we're definitely going to do crawlers to go out of the tap room and then we plan on doing the kind of standard now 16 ounce can four packs I think once we get our barrel program rolling and start doing more of those type of specialty releases, we may consider at some point doing some large format bottles, but uh, our focus right now is going to be primarily on canning. Let's talk about barrel aging. (laughs) So uh, what are the plans? I know you guys are obviously getting ramped up, opening, all that, but you, you probably have a vision of going forward in a year or so having something come out here. Uh, Any ideas? Yeah, I think, you know, long term, uh, we want to start a barrel program pretty soon. Right now, you know, getting the tap room open, we're still in the midst of, you know, uh, some amount of construction. There's constantly a lot of things moving around, and we have several scissor lifts that are constantly flying around. So, you know, empty space is kind of being allocated for just storing all of the miscellaneous things that we still need to have out, paint, and you know, everything for construction and parking for, you know, the said scissor lists and things like that. But once we have construction completed and, and that free space kind of freed up again and able to, to fill it with what it's intended for, we plan to try to brew about once every month or three uh, batch that's destined, it, not necessarily in its entirety, but at least impartial to going into barrels, build up enough inventory that 
you know, eventually within a year or so, we'll be able to do semi-regular barrel age releases. So, Adam, uh, you know, we, we actually go back a little ways. Mm-hmm. And, again, Northern Brewer seems to play a role in a lot of our lives. Uh, I know what the big question for me is, when am I going to get some barley wine? <laughs> so we actually have that on our calendar. Depending on when this episode comes out, it may have been brewed already, but it is, as of right now, on our calendar for next week. So we will be brewing that. It's actually... Uh, going to put our system to uh, a pretty strong test. We are splitting it up into two different brew days and we're doing a double mash on each of those brew days to make sure that we can get a full volume and that we can get it at uh, the starting gravity that we want it to be at. Yeah, so the reason... Uh, how, how, how are we achieving the starting gravity you want it to be at, Adam? Uh, with about 4,400 pounds of Maris Otter. And... <laughs> How long is the boil on that? Yeah, a 200-hour like boil, uh, right? Because give or take. Now we plan on you know doing our first mash, getting it over you know whatever we can get out of it to the boil kettle, and pretty much immediately getting that up to a boil while we work on emptying out the grist case and or the mash tun, getting a new mash in and letting that do its thing. So by the time it's done boiling after the second mash, it could be anywhere from five to maybe nine hours of boiling. And uh, the, the way this whole circle comes together is, is that uh, we're, we're all home brewers, obviously. Uh, Kyle and, and Adam worked at Northern Brewer, and uh, I came in just one random afternoon, and there's Adam in the midst of a, a what, I don't know, 17-hour boil on, on his barley wine. I think it was a three-hour, but... <laughs> And I uh, got a little taste of uh, what you can expect here, and it is uh, fantabulous. I think it's there's going to be some runs at uh, a certain Chicago brewery that makes a heck of a barley wine. Possibly. Um, so, yeah, that barley wine will have a small portion probably available in a few months on draft, but the majority of that beer will end up in barrels for, who knows, uh, potentially black friday or a holiday or maybe even an anniversary release we don't know yet i definitely know you know we're gonna we're gonna fill as many barrels as we you know we think is feasible out of it um while still having some to to put on draft right away we're definitely going to try and see if we can find one or two or maybe three different types of barrels that you know will work well with the once we know what the final profile on it ends up being so that is news to my ears for sure. And anyone who's uh, at least here in the Milwaukee area has had a chance to taste one of Adam's barley wines uh, knows how good this is going to be. The elephant in the room is that we are in an empty room. <laughs> and you guys are still uh, looking to open hopefully next week uh, when this episode drops. Um, why are you taking so long, man? What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, we've been working on this project for, for a long time, and you know, we've, we've said that we worked on it on paper for a number of years. And then uh, we found this facility, and we started the process of getting all of the, the loan approvals and everything together to purchase this facility and start our construction. Just coming out of the, the, the very beginning of the end of COVID, and we got held up by the DNR. Pretty much, you know, understaffed, overworked, type of scenario we had to apply for some soil remediation plans and i think the original 
response when we submitted our application was, okay, thanks, we'll get back to you in about six weeks. And it took them about five and a half months to get back to us. No back and forth, no, you know, oh, make an alteration or anything like that. It just was waiting on somebody's desk to get rubber stamped, which set us back. And then working through the process with the SBA for with the federal government to get all that type of stuff set up, that took longer than expected. It, pretty much anything dealing with any government agency at this point took longer than expected. But before that, just getting financing during the pandemic, uh, we applied to 35 banks with the help of a third party that's on retainer with the city of West Dallas. Thankfully, they were very patient with us and diligent in their efforts to find financing for us. But uh, 34 banks said, you guys are too similar to a restaurant. And it's like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're a manufacturer. We make yeah. beer and we're going to have a tap room and people are going to have fun and drink beer. And it's recession proof. Yeah, and it, there's no food going to be served here. There's food trucks. Yep. Correct. But l- let's be clear. There's literally no food being made here. Correct. We are Which doing is, any would be the worst food. restaurant I would ever go to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We've had we've had a number of hangups with that. You know, the city of West Dallas has been great, but, you know, even within that, you know, there's been a, a few hiccups here and there with, you know, how we're classified and, you know, different things like that that have stretched our timeline out as far as getting open. Just want to point out to the listeners that, uh, you know, we're hoping to open next week, like you said, but our grand opening won't be until our outdoor space is finished, with, which most likely won't be at least until later this summer, possibly later, just based on the way <laughs> the world works right now. So you're never going to open. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> but our, it'll just be a perpetual soft yeah. opening. Our, our tap room will be open it, once our soft opening happens. It's just anybody who signs up for a membership gets that additional grace period that their membership doesn't lapse until the anniversary of our grand opening. That is fantastic, and I hope uh, everyone gets their membership because it's it's a fantastic program. And uh, what are some of those benefits, John? Dollar off full pours in the tap room, percentage off merch, discount on event space rental, uh, discount on your portion of a league due. So whether it's uh, volleyball, bocce cornhole dollar off flights 10 percent off uh package beer to go uh 10 off patio pitchers mm. oh yes we are going to do pitchers only on the patio and only oh. for select beers that we think will hold up to that you know format but we are going to do patio pitchers nice that'll be for you know some of the league stuff that's going on out out front we'll have at least one uh, event annually of members only early access to package beer releases so the day before uh, we come out with new beer uh, in package early access to ticketed events so we have a stage in-house in the tap room and uh, members will get the first right to a ticket to attend that event and uh, free tours oh awesome i think it seems like we're drunk you guys all out of beer for I'm now out of beer. i honestly need more so uh thank you very much and uh if you'd like to visit and come down to ope brewing when it opens it's located at 6751 west national avenue in west dallas plenty of parking 
plenty of parking and it's huge you are not going to come in and go uh it's it's it, it i can't get in because it's too busy uh, if it is then i think we're all really excited <laughs> but uh, you can always park at pick and save so. <laughs> all right well you know what? that does it for us uh this is jim jesus adam john risky sisky and this a sexy is, voice. <laughs> this has been another solid non-fail production. Cheers. No Cheers. More.